name's Steve Erbauer, and this is Steve Erbauer's Grateful Dead Podcast, episode number four. Thanks for joining. Today we get in the way back machine, not all the way back, but pretty far back to 1966. What a time to be alive. Lots of exciting stuff happening, especially in the world of, of uh, Grateful Dead. I am by no means a historian. That is not uh, what I do. I have done some reading about this time, and I've certainly listened to a bunch of the music. And it's just, I mean, there are whole, there's just a lot of books that have been written about this time in America and in San Francisco and in the music scene. And just, there's just so many things to talk about that I'm not really going to talk about any of them because I feel like uh, that's for your kind of your uh, choose your own adventure there. Um, I, I feel like you can't really talk about San Francisco during this time and specifically music in San Francisco without talking about Bill Graham a little bit. Uh, if you haven't read his biography, and, uh, well, there's a, a biography and an autobiography. Uh, they're both pretty big books and they're both very interesting. Um, but I mean, we wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here talking to y'all without Bill Graham. Uh, I think that that should be mentioned. Um, He was, you know, I think in the early days, he was probably kind of a frenemy of the dead. Um, And they certainly regarded him with a certain amount of suspicion. And he certainly regarded them with dollar signs in his eyes. Uh, Having said that, I think over the years, those guys all became, you know, pretty tight in a way that I couldn't even begin to understand. And I love, I think it's in Rock Scully's book where he talks about, you know, they'd be going in to book a gig and Bill Graham would write a a number on a piece of paper and say, on this piece of paper is how much I'm going to pay you guys or how much I want to pay you guys. And then he'd eat it, you know, and the managers would be looking at him like, this guy's nuts. But then they had a way of, uh, you know, Bill Graham being Bill Graham, he wanted the, uh, the evening to be people remembered like you just had an amazing evening courtesy of Bill Graham Presents. And, you know, so the band would leave stage after the second set and Bill would come and say, you got to do an encore, you got to do an encore. And, and they'd look at him and kind of yawn and go, gee, Bill, you know, we're really kind of tired, man. And so they'd get him promising all kinds of things to get him back out on stage. So I think that they all just had a lot of fun together. Other noteworthy things to check out. I mean, the country was starting to go through some pretty major changes, um, for better and for worse, you know, that could be argued or talked about, at least hopefully, forget argue, let's, let's talk, let's have a discussion. I realize it's not very popular these days, so let's, let's try to head in that direction. Um, but certainly some of the things, you know, worked out and some didn't, and I don't know, it's just, it's a whole other topic, but I, things that I, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast and if, if you're like starting to think about the Grateful Dead on any level, if you have not read things like uh, Tom Wolfe's book, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, you should just stop now and get on Amazon and buy a used copy of it. Um, I also think it's kind of a little bit outside maybe, but Hunter Thompson's book, uh, Hell's Angels, really puts a lot of this stuff in particular in context. And then, of course, you can get into the whole, you know, beatniks, Vietnam, LSD. It's all happening. I mean, the hinges are about ready to come off. And this is really kind of a It's a naive time, really, because the hinges haven't quite come off yet. And uh, I don't know. I think that I don't know if anybody was aware of of what was getting ready to happen. I think certainly the band was hoping something would happen. Uh, I don't know if it worked out the way anybody planned. But, um, 
you know, this was a, it, what I guess what I'm meandering around and thinking about is that, that what this is, is just a really, this is a naive time. This is like, oh my God, look at what we've got. The sky is the limit here. And, and we've got, oh, Owsley Stanley, can we just talk about Bear for a second? I mean, I, I, you know, I said they, I wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be sitting here without Bill Graham. Probably wouldn't be sitting here without Bear either, um, seeing as how he was kind of their sound guy and patron and insane genius and all of that stuff. And again, that's just Google Owsley Stanley and, and I'll see you in a couple weeks because that guy, well, I mean... <laughs> This is starting to become a recurring theme in the podcast, but he was the guy for the time, uh, to say the least. So um, there's that. There's Owsley. So like I said, we're not starting at the very beginning here. We're not, you know, I mean, certainly Bob, uh, Hunter, and Jerry had done some things, and Jerry and David Nelson. And and if you really kind of want, I think for me, like the beginning of, quote, the Grateful Dead would be the Jug Band, which would be, uh, Mother McCree's Uptown Jug Champions, which you, if you have not heard that stuff, again, pause this, get on YouTube, um, because it's been officially released, so I'm not going to play it, but um, just just search for Uptown Jug Champions or Mother McCree's and listen to some of that music, because it really is a hoot, and it is, uh, it's the Rosetta Stone for everything that came after it. And I mean, I, I can still hear even in some of the late nineties stuff. I mean, there's just that element of, I don't know, hijinks on a good night. Right. And, uh, cause really they were just having a gas and it's very, very apparent. And a lot of that, you know, carries over into electric instruments. And so, you know, you got the jug band and you've got the warlocks and pig pen saying, Hey man, we need to go electric. And, um, and then the name changed to the Grateful Dead, and you had them somewhere in there playing, you know, five sets a night in a pizza parlor, doing R&B covers and that sort of thing. And then, you know, <clears throat> Keezy and all that happened. So, and that changed things a little bit. Um, again, refer to the electric Kool-Aid acid test by Tom Wolf for just more on that. So what you have now is uh, the Grateful Dead in a very, I mean, this is, this is pre-Mickey Hart. This is pre-a lot of things. And these guys are not that far removed from the pizza parlor playing the R&B covers. But they're, it's just starting to happen. They've realized, I mean, they've done some acid tests. And they've realized that they're kind of on to something. And I don't think they know exactly what it is yet. But it's there. And it's real. And they are pursuing it. And it helps a lot that they've got Owsley Stanley standing behind him going go get him i'm right you know let's do this and uh what an adventure folks i mean this is this is the beginning of almost 30 well coming on 50 years of uh of um this thing that we we know and love pig pen ron pig pen mckernan this is the first time he's made an appearance on this podcast so gotta gotta you know show respect he uh was he the best singer in the world? No. Was he the best keyboard player in the world? No. Was he perfect for the front man slash keyboard player position for the Grateful Dead during this time? Most definitely. I don't know who else would have done it, um, but he certainly, he was the piece that, you know, the puzzle piece that fit in the puzzle for sure. And I think that, you know, his... 
the fact that his feet were planted more firmly on the ground than some of the other guys was important. I think the fact that he was reluctant to, you know, take those psychedelic adventures was probably, you know, it was one of those things that kind of kept, kept them together, kept them grounded a little bit. And, uh, I love and the music that's coming up. I mean, I, I can't imagine because I didn't get to see this um, personally, but I the stories that I've read and the video accounts and all that, I, I think that when it came to um, helping a group of people have a really good time and get to know each other, um, I don't know that anybody else could have done a better job in that environment than Pig. And uh I don't know. It's just I, it, the the midnight hour. I'm gonna play in a little while. It, it's just it's just Pigpen holding court, and it's just one of the most delightful, joyful, sexy, ballsy pieces of art that I've ever heard. Um, I I mean I just can't imagine what the people in the film auditorium just dancing and getting down and having pig just just throw just laying it down and getting people together while the band's just right there providing the soundtrack for it. And so anyway, um, you know, he had a pig had his own sets of issues and he he left, you know, really young. I think he was twenty six when he when he passed and Gosh darn it, that's just too young. But uh, that was that was his time. So, you know, there you have it. Um, so, so uh, with that, I think I've covered uh, everything I want to cover before we get into the music. And this is just I, you know, the first time I heard this stuff, it just it just blew the lid of my head off. I, I had never heard music. To, it's just flat out so much fun because um, it is. I mean, that's really. I mean, this is. I think, <laughs> I think like record producers and, and people like that, like record company executives were always a little bit befuddled by the dead because they were supposed to be this, you know, psychedelic band, baby, but there weren't any sitars, you know, people couldn't just figure like, how can you play, you know, psychedelic music without having all that crap? And I think they, they just totally missed the point of, 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 just getting weird and dancing, man, and and throwing just all preconceived notions of what a good time was right out the window and just letting it all hang out, man. And it's really hard to put that on record. Um, I know. Anyway, again, I, I digress. I had to throw that in there. So um, back to the tunes. I'm going to play parts of two shows from 1966, both of which were at uh, Bill Graham's Fillmore Auditorium in San Francisco, California. Uh, the first one is July 16th, and uh, I'm taking some selections out of this. You have to understand that this is not, I'm going to do the Dick's Picks caveat here, this is not a modern professional recording. It does require a certain amount of not exactly effort, but a different mindset to listen to just because this is, it's just a soundboard. It's a recording straight from the soundboard. This was never intended for release. And so it's, you have to give it a little bit. And what mostly the main thing with it is that most of the instruments are on one channel and most of the vocals are on the other channel. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit weird to listen to. I, I, I thought about mixing it down to a mono track, um, but this it's a little weird, but it sounds better. So just hang with it. You'll get used to it. It's fine. And really this first recording is, is for what it is, which is a 49 year old archival recording. 
is phenomenal. The dynamic range on it is great. The clarity is great. Um, just the stereo separation is extreme and a little bit off-putting at first if you're not used to it. So just you'll get used to it, I assure you. Um, so anyway, having said that, we got an introduction by Bill Graham, uh, Viola Lee Blues, which was kind of their showcase at the time. Um, an original song called You Don't Have to Ask, which is, um, it's an original, it didn't last, but I, for the time, I think it's perfect. Uh, Cold Rain and Snow, uh, which, you know, was around the whole time. And, uh, and, uh, a Dylan cover, Garcia singing, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. The oldest juveniles in the state of California, the Grateful Dead.
Thank you.
July 1966, already with the Dylan covers. Man, Garcia could sing Dylan. So how about that? Uh, you don't have to ask. I love the line. Uh, if you want to go and lose your mind, uh, you don't have to ask. I love it. Anyway, um, so let's put this in perspective for a minute. In between these two shows... July and November of 66, Bob Weir turns 19 years old. 19. He's a kid. My goodness. No wonder, uh, you know, he just kind of keeps on trucking. Because, you know what, folks, this is what he does. This is all he's ever done. You know, if I was him, I wouldn't know what to do either. Um, 
I'd just keep playing guitar. Anyway, I don't know. That's <laughs> I what well, I don't know what I, I know what I was doing when I was 18 and 19 years old, and it sure as hell wasn't you know being the soundtrack to a revolution. So um, I don't know. I think that's just we need to stop and acknowledge that for a second. And speaking of acknowledging time passing, they just announced the thing, the 50 year thing at in Chicago. Anybody got opinions on that? I, I'm trying real hard to to not. I I my take on it is that good for them why not and they can do it however the hell they want to um i've seen the you know hitler reacting to a thing and you know ticket prices going up because of trey and not a whole tour and all that and you know what i like trey anastasio and if they want to play three shows in chicago and call it a day by god i think they've earned the right to do that they want to charge a couple hundred bucks pay it or don't you know that's the way i see it I think for the people that are going to go, I think, you know, longtime fans of the band will have a good time and we'll all get to hug and say, gosh, darn it, it's been great. And for people that never got to see them or who are wondering what all the fuss are about, they'll probably have a pretty good time. You know, I think most of it will probably go over their heads, but that's not their fault. They're just missing out on all of this, you know. And so I, Soldier Field, why not? It's in the middle of the country. Sorry, California. Sorry, New York. Um, you guys get it all the time anyway. Well, I think New York probably gets it more than California does, unless you happen to go to Phil's place, which I would like to do someday. Uh, if anybody ever wants to fly me out and buy me dinner at Phil's place, I'll take it, folks. Um, so there's that. <laughs> anyway, God bless them. 50 years, I figure they've earned the right to do it however the hell they want to do it, and I'm sure it's going to be just a really, really great time. So with that, let's go um, fast forward a few months to November 19th, 1966, again at Bill Graham's Fillmore Auditorium in San Francisco, California. Another Bill Graham introduction, uh, followed by a neat cover. Uh, I don't hear it too often. High-heeled sneakers. I think Garcia may have played it with Merle Saunders a little bit too, but gosh, it's a fun song and kind of perfect for the time. Then uh, Beat It On Down the Line, which I think we all are pretty familiar with. Cream Puff War, Garcia original. Uh, I think my favorite versions of this song are done by Widespread Panic. Man, they play Cream Puff War real good. It fits their kind of MO, I think. Um, then a nice uh, folk tune, uh, He Was a Friend of Mine. What a great song. And then we'll finish it off with uh, the Midnight Hour that I was talking about earlier with Pigpen. Just just giving it hell. What a great time. I'm so... Revisiting this music has just... I don't know. It's just... I can't stop smiling. Such a great time. And uh, just at the end, just crackling with energy and uh, anyway, I'm going to stop talking now, and let's, let's let Bill Graham introduce the boys. On organ and vocals, on the left, rhythm guitar and vocals, Mr. Bob Weir. On bass and vocals, Mr. Philip Lesh. On drums in striped t-shirt, Mr. Bill Summers. On the far left, on lead guitar and vocals, the Charles Atlas of the psychedelic set, The Grateful Dead. Ah! 
reminded me I know it's just another trick she's got to see I can't believe that you really want to you to die After all, it's all that enough to save your life Wait a minute, watch what you do with your time
I said, oh, all right. Come on now, all right now. All right. Oh, oh. Yes, you will. 
that just a little bit louder are you kidding me folks i I don't see how people couldn't have just walked out of there thinking well i know what i'm doing for the next few years (laughs) grateful dead november 19th 1966 i hope that you have enjoyed uh this show as much as i have enjoyed putting it together i don't know if there's more fun music on the planet i don't know what it is but i'd love to hear it uh so please don't uh, be shy. Feel free to contact me. There's a Facebook page. There's the Twitters. Um, and there's email N E G D podcast at gmail.com. Again, my name's Steve Erbauer and this has been Steve Erbauer's grateful dead podcast. I'll see you sometime folks. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks.